Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New malaria vaccines offer a real shot at fighting the disease. A malaria vaccine that could protect millions of children against the parasite-borne disease is expected to roll out early next year. It follows another formula that has already had moderate success. By Marin McKenna. The world at last has a public health tool it has been seeking for more than a century, a reliable vaccine against malaria that can protect at least two-thirds of the children who receive it from developing the deadly disease. In fact, in an embarrassment of riches, the world now has two. Last week, the World Health Organization gave its recommendation to a vaccine formula called R21 Matrix M developed by the University of Oxford and the Serum Institute of India, following preprint publication of Phase 3 results that showed 68 of 75% efficacy. The study has not yet been peer-reviewed. That comes just three months after the rollout of a separate vaccine called RTSSAS01, developed by GlaxoSmithKline, which received 55% efficacy. The WHO approved that formula in October 2021. The RTSS vaccine is beginning to be distributed in 12 African nations. After some regulatory steps, the R21 vaccine is expected to debut next year. Together, they could make an extraordinary difference in the survival of children in tropical countries, though experts say it is far too soon to abandon traditional tools, such as bed nets that have kept malaria imperfectly suppressed until now. Up to 620,000 people die of malaria every year. It's a huge economic burden on countries, says Lisa Stockdale, a senior immunologist at the University of Oxford's Jenner Institute and a member of the R21 research team. If we can get everyone vaccinated, this has enormous potential to save lives. Achieving an effective vaccine has taken so long because malaria is a uniquely wily foe. The disease is caused by a parasite that is something of a shapeshifter. It enters the body through the bite of a mosquito, it migrates into the liver, multiplies there, and then moves into the circulatory system's red blood cells. In each of those stages, it takes on a different form and produces thousands of different proteins. Interfering with this multi-stage infection is a complex maneuver far more challenging than teaching the body to protect itself against viruses or bacteria. Vaccines provide information to the immune system so the immune system can learn about the pathogen, says Steve Taylor, an infectious disease physician and associate professor at the Duke University School of Medicine who studies malaria. A virus contains as much information as a pamphlet. You can provide its essence to the immune system quickly, but we have many fewer vaccines against bacteria because they are more complex. 
like a nonfiction book, and malaria parasites are like a 1,000-page novel. The strategy used by both new vaccines aims to overcome the parasite as it enters the body and before it hides in the liver to reproduce. At that point, it has made few copies of itself and is in a relatively uncomplicated form. Both vaccines make use of manufactured assemblages of circumsporozoite protein, or CSP for short, which the parasite expresses in that early stage to teach the immune system to recognize the parasite and overcome it. Both vaccines are meant to be given to infants via a three-dose series, then topped off by a booster a year later. They appear to protect children for years, although that protection is not expected to be lifelong. The older vaccine has not been deployed long enough for anyone to predict its durability, and the newer one remains in clinical trials. The number of shots needed to protect a single child makes it clear how many doses will be needed. So far, 1.7 million children in three countries have received almost 5 million doses of the RTSS vaccine through a pilot program. Now, 18 million doses of that vaccine are being made available in a three-year allocation cycle. Yet the WHO has estimated that annual demand for both vaccines will be 40 million to 60 million doses per year to begin with, and could rise to as many as 100 million by 2030. GSK, which developed RTSS, also called Moskirix, plans to transfer it to the Indian pharma company Bharat Biotech, a move that could increase manufacturing capacity. And once it comes into production, the newly recommended R21 could add 100 million doses to the total available, according to the Serum Institute of India, which is serving as its manufacturing partner. For that to happen, the WHO still needs to pre-qualify the vaccine, an assessment that tells nonprofit purchasers and national regulatory authorities that a new drug is safe and effective. Though no date has been set, pre-qualification is expected soon with a goal of beginning distribution next year. At that point, a delicate dance will begin. The agencies and non-governmental organizations that ensure vaccine availability for low-income countries will need to stimulate enough production from enough manufacturers to avoid the kind of competition that kept the earliest batches of COVID vaccines from reaching poorer nations. Meanwhile, they will be trying to build production capacity in the countries where the vaccine is most needed. Though homegrown malaria recently flared in the U.S., there's no high-income market for this product, says Aurelia Nguyen, the chief program officer of Gavi, the vaccine alliance, which has made an initial commitment of $155 million to bring the new formulas to market and is beginning work on what it calls an African vaccine manufacturer accelerator. Let's make sure we really optimize the two suppliers we have today, but over time let's make sure we build toward a diverse manufacturer base, including diversity in terms of geographic production. For now, experts say the arrival of these vaccines won't mean that countries can stop using long-standing methods of controlling malaria, spraying insecticides, distributing treated bed nets, and ensuring that people receive affordable preventative drugs. Sustained promotion of those methods by international agencies since 2000 has forced malaria rates down. But that progress has stalled recently, so the vaccines are urgently needed, but at this stage, they can't be considered a replacement. The vaccines focus on children under five, so they don't cover the entire population. The other interventions do, says Michael Adekunle Charles, a physician who is CEO of the nonprofit RBM Partnership to End Malaria. And their efficacy is not at 100%, so in order to really get the coverage that is needed, we need to combine it with other tools to get the maximum benefit. As the vaccines roll out, they will also face the hurdles that other campaigns have encountered. Challenges in distributing doses to remote areas, keeping them within safe temperature limits, and ensuring that healthcare workers and parents will be enthusiastic about their arrival, 
But the biggest hurdle, as always, in global public health will be money. Keeping up donor zeal from philanthropy and from rich nations has been a long-time challenge for multi-year vaccination campaigns such as those against measles and polio. Supporters hope the vaccine can make the case on economic benefits, not just on humanitarian grounds. In some low-income countries, malaria prevention consumes 40% of healthcare budgets. The cost to global productivity is believed to be $12 billion per year. Currently, though, malaria funding is not looking good, Charles says. We have 50% of the funding we need, a $3.6 billion shortfall every year. The mosquito is consistently evolving, and if we don't get ahead of it, the mosquito will continuously outsmart us. Thanks for listening to Wired. I'm Zeke Robison, and for more stories just like this one, visit us at Wired.com. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at Wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.